Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And I am Gabe Gonzalez. And today we are joined by two very special guests. Our first is a voiceover actor. I'll let you introduce yourself. Justin Fraction. Hi, Justin. Hi, Hi Justin. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Great to have you back. And we've got another return guest. She's an author, writer, content creator. Gabrielle Alexa. Hi, Gabby. Hey. Gabe, can you believe we're almost done, Angel? Like, I truly can't believe. I So, Justin, you both of you were on, I think, like, either season three or season four, like, pretty early on. I've gotten really good at doing this in advance. <laughs> it used to be, like, <laughs> scraping to, like, oh, this episode has to come out in one day. Jesus fucking Christ. And now I'm like, oh, this episode doesn't come out till like, the end of next month. Never been that far ahead. I will say today's episode has strong season finale energy. I thought it was the season one season finale for a hot second. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a little anticlimactic at the end, but we'll talk about that later. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, Gabby, it's your first time talking Buffy um, and Angel. Uh, do you want to give us your Buffy origin story, how you came to Buffy? I feel like Buffy was just always part of the tapestry that is life. And <laughs> <laughs> I was too young to appreciate it when it was like first out so then Mm. when netflix first came out back when they still had the dvds i know buffy was an angel like their first gets they don't even it's not even on netflix anymore it's on hulu yeah yeah so i I like binged the entire thing which gave me a lot of context for the like sporadic episodes that i'd watch (laughs) did you just like go straight into angel after finishing buffy I got burnt out on Buffy and then jumped into Angel and then like jumped back into Buffy. You know how it goes. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> Wow. I've never heard that. I love that. Uh, it's chaotic, but it's very intentional. It's like, look, I need space. Let's let's go to the other end of the spectrum here. <laughs> this, this was like my first, this was my entry into binge watching. And I didn't realize <laughs> that like there is too much of a good thing. Yeah. And I very quickly was like, oh my God, I cannot take it. And like the humor, like just uh, like no matter what the show quality is if you experience like the same three kind of like gags very consistently you're like all right let me take a break (laughs) (laughs) that's fair they made these thinking you'd have a week to like forget about some things we see a lot of like repeat jokes repeat joke structures repeat gags when you binge something that was meant to be a week or a few weeks apart it starts getting a little a little rough for sure I have no comment because Buffy's never rough to be. Angel, Angel is. But... <laughs> um, Justin, I probably know the answer to this, but did you watch Angel when it aired? Did you watch them concurrently, or did you like have to go back to Angel? Oh no, Ian! I was much, much, much too young to know <laughs> what was happening. Yes, yes. No, I, I watched Angel right along with Buffy. I went okay. back and forth every week. I, I was right there. So yeah, I figured because I knew I knew you were like me and had watched it when it aired. Um, I it's weird because I like didn't fully get a hundred percent on board with Angel until, and it's not because it's my favorite season. It's just because that was what was airing till season four, only because I knew Buffy was ending, and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this will be the only thing I have left. So season four of Angel is oddly the season I know like best. Um, mm-hmm. Because that was when I started like taping it on VHS to be like, oh, I need this because Buffy's ending and this is the only show that'll be left in that universe. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're here to talk about season one's Warzone. We are yes. almost done season one. This is Gunn's first episode. Yes. What do we think as like a, because we know he's an important character. I mean, he's, you know, he lives till the finale, right? Um, which 
Unfortunately, Cordelia does not, and a lot of the main characters do not. Um, what do we think of this as his like intro episode, uh, Gabby? Um, you know, it was interesting to watch it at this age because I feel like I have so much more of an appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I appreciated it as an introduction because it was clear that there was like intention in introducing his character, and I know the writer wanted to like highlight uh, wealth stratification mm. and like lean into like the fact that in one neighborhood in LA, it's like people are living really under-resourced lives versus in another area. It's like, you know, super wealthy and classed. And yeah, I think if it had been done today, of course it would have been done a little different. I'm reading descriptions for this episode a lot and they're talking about like gang war. It's like, mm-hmm. Is them defending their community against vampires because no police will help them gang warring or like is <laughs> right. it, it's just the same vigilantism that Angel and his group are doing, but it's like framed differently. So like there's that. I mean, Gary uh, Campbell is black, so it's not like it's like a white person speaking over yeah. black experiences or anything like that was what he could do. Sure. But it was like a really like it gave him a lot of nuance. It gave him like that like core motivation to like ally himself with Angel. Yeah, and I, that's I think visiting because like I don't revisit season one a lot, honestly. So like revisiting it for the podcast, it's like oh, there's like more shit I pick up on because you know we got to like discuss it. And this this time I was like that was what I picked up on most was the like they do a good job of making him setting up like his and Angel's relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly by the final season, they're way cooler and chill and friends and whatever. But like, I kind of like that we're setting it up as like, he is someone else who is fighting demons. And like you said, it's not really like a gang war. It's more just like, he's also a vigilante demon hunter. Yeah. I mean, I'd even, there was a le- even a, a tinge of white saviorism, of course, because he's like, oh, they're so in over their heads when yeah. like, they're really not that different, except they don't have Angel who like, no one... Angel is like the oldest, worst, tor- most torturous vampire in history. Yeah. Uh, like no one could have that like power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically they just don't have superpowers. Yeah. Justin, what do you think of it as Gunn's intro? You know, it's actually the intro for a couple of characters, but we'll get to that later on. <laughs> uh, with with Gunn, I, I didn't like Gunn when I was younger. I don't mm. know why. And at first I did once he, you know, once the Fred stuff happened and then I got to know him a little better. Yeah. But this is actually a pretty good introductory episode for this character. They leave it a little open-ended. They tell you who he is. They establish his reason for doing what he's doing. And his motivation for continuing on will eventually be Angel. So we've got that working as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think I really appreciated uh, J. August Richards' performance this time around as an adult watching it. Because I had not seen it since I was genuinely an actual kid. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Gabe, what'd you think? Yeah, I think a lot of the uh, themes that Gabby pinpointed in this episode were part of what drew it to me. And I think also maybe maybe because I'm in like Puerto Rico post-hurricane mode, but it reminded me so so much of like the difference between like, I don't know, sort of like nonprofits trying to seek money from like rich folks and capitalists to like throw at the government and letting like food rot in a, you know what I mean? Like a container versus mm-hmm. like mutual aid efforts. I think the, the like juxtaposition between what Cordelia and Wesley are doing, which is trying to court this rich tech dude to like pay for their demon hunting versus like, I don't know, seeing this more community led effort 
which I, I think I see as sort of a stand-in for like mutual aid efforts and community-led stuff, maybe in my mindset. I thought it was a, an episode with something to say. And it was really funny because I also looked up Gary Campbell. I always try to look up a little bit on the writers. And a lot of his resume is like sketch comedy stuff. He wrote for Kids in the Hall, SNL, um, Mad TV. And I really think that this episode also had some of the best like dramatic dialogue, particularly between Alana and Gunn. And it just carried like such an emotional weight and strong point of view that I I felt wasn't always present in this first season. And I just think it was a very strong introduction for this character, but also for themes that I think the show had kind of been dancing around the entire season. I'm like, we're yeah. in LA. This is <laughs> like the class stratification in the city is intense. The diversity of economic and ethnic and racial backgrounds is across the board. And I think for so long, we were living in this kind of angel bubble that, um, I don't know, seeing how a group of humans not only acknowledged demons, but like fought back was so interesting to me. And I wanted to dive into that world a lot more. Yeah. And something you all touched upon that, like, it's funny watching it as an adult, knowing that like the writing, like when I was a little younger, I always felt like, Oh, why like the black and Hispanic characters, this is like their portrayal. Hmm. But like, it is saying something about class. I, like, I think you all are right. Like, it is on purpose trying to say something about, like, oh, the rich white dude is like, you know, I mean, he's just being blackmailed by this guy with photos, but, like, these people are dying out there, and it's like, they're being ignored. And that's why, even when Angel, they find out Angel is good, Gun is still like, I don't want to work with you, you know? Um, and I think that's something that I was able to like appreciate a little bit more this watch because I always bothered me before when I was younger. Um, but again, I just, I don't revisit season one that often, but I do. And Justin, I think you like made it a point too. Like they really do do a good job of showing you who gun is. And I like the thing I like about angel that it does with almost all of the characters that like, and you, you all know, I love Buffy. So this isn't a dig at Buffy, but Buffy, a lot of the characters were like fully formed and in Angel, it's like they're introduced and they're like pretty fully formed, but they're allowed to develop a lot. You know, I mean, Justin, how many times have we talked about Cordelia? Like Cordelia is the best example <laughs> of that. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and I think Angel, while I would never say it's a better show, it does a better job of letting all of the characters grow um, than rather just like here they are fully formed, plunked mm. into the like season and they will be like this for the rest of the show. And I appreciate that. Like even Wesley at this point has started to get more... Like when he first comes in, he's like falling all the time. There's an episode where like I was like, oh, how, let's count how many times Wesley falls in this episode. And it was like four. <laughs> and like they're slowly being like, no, 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 let's make him a little bit more capable. And like Cordelia, same thing. And so I appreciate that gun is like there when he's introduced, but we allow him to like change and develop over time. And like you said, Justin, I agree. I think it's a little bit more interesting with the Fred stuff. They kind of like give him like the romance and all that. Um, and, you know, same thing with Fred, right? She's introduced as this like... Oh, yeah scared girl who's like been in in captivity in this like demon dimension and then we like see that she's a genius we see like she like comes into her own as well and that's something i really do appreciate about angel and their characters so this episode opens we get gun right away i i also like i also like that he, when he says you are expecting someone else it's kind of talking to the audience like oh yeah oh, you thought this was going to be angel like i think that's i don't know i kind of like that it's like weird and like almost corny but i like it i don't know what you all think i think it's meant to highlight the fact that they're the same you know yeah. which is why i think angels later kind of like you guys are so into your heads is like jarring because it's like okay you guys are doing the same thing of the same goal same just different strategies and resources and experience 
Yeah, yeah, I think this cold open is also so aware of audience expectations on like two levels. Like we get two fake outs. We see the person we later learn is Alana walking down the street, these vampires chasing her. And it's like, if this were episode one, two or three, I'd be like, oh, okay, Angel's going to swoop in. And the fact that it's actually like kind of a trap, right? That she's like intentionally leaving yeah. them there is the first really interesting fake out to me. And then again, it's like when you start at Gun's feet and you just have that pan up and he's like, you were expecting someone else. I, the moment that cold open ended on that, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good episode. Like they know <laughs> the tropes and they're fully flipping them. Um, and even that kind of introduction for a character, it's like, actually, this is my cold open was so, <laughs> so interesting. I loved it. Yeah. And so we had Jay August Richards on a few years ago after he yeah. came out. One, he is so fucking nice. He's like very high energy and very nice. And he, he told us that they created, like they wanted to create a different character, but like he said that he was actually hired because there was like a diversity like rule that came through and like Angel was such a white show, right? And they were like, they created Gun out of that and how like, he he did talk about how he was really happy with Gun and he was like really happy he got to play Gun. And it's funny because he as a person is very unserious. Like he's not, like <laughs> Gun the character is very serious, but like J. August Richards is like very goofy. And so I appreciate that he's like silly, this like very like- not doesn't take this guy who doesn't take himself seriously but he like played a guy who's like pretty serious like gun still has jokes because everyone in these shows has jokes but like you know right he's like more the like tough fighter guy justin i'm curious if someone that wasn't sold on gun from the get what were if you can remember what was like kind of your initial feeling with this cold open and this introduction oh gosh honestly <laughs> I, I i well the first thing i wanted to point out is that i, I thought it was pretty cool when they suspected it might be. I got the feeling that they knew that Gunn had been doing this for a while. They knew about these people, which later allows them to, of course, set things up to lead us to our conclusion of the episode. When I was younger, I don't think I liked Gunn because I was very into Cordelia. That's pretty much <laughs> I was only here for Cordelia. That's what drew me to this show. I didn't really care about Angel that much. So yeah. You're talking to another convert here. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've told Justin this so many times. Like, Cordelia Chase, like, I think of Justin when I think of Cordelia. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you were the first person on Twitter I saw that, like, very much leaned into like how much you loved Cordelia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Post credits, speaking of Cordelia, we get uh, Cordelia, Angel and Wes arriving at a very fancy party. And Justin, what does Cordelia say? Because I feel like you like this line because I know I did. Oh my gosh. Was it the uh, nerd line or the money line? The money. (laughs) Yeah. And I love the fact that Angel confirms that, yes, she does recognize the smell of money. It's not a joke. (laughs) I, I just love her. And like, how Wes is like, oh, he says something like Canberra, I believe. And she's like, what? No, money. Like, <laughs> she keeps her eyes on the prize, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and then we meet David Nabbit, who, Justin, you mentioned, he was also introduced as a character who was going to be reoccurring. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, I guess, especially back then, he did, because I read that they, he just, they like, his schedule couldn't fit Angel in. And I guess back then he was like one of those people that was popping up on that actor popped up on like a lot of stuff, right? Well, you know, it's actually funny because the writer of the episode, Gary Campbell, which mm-hmm. was mentioned earlier, he knew him because oh, they wow. both worked on Matt TV. Oh, also, wow. yeah, that's where I recognize his face from when I first yes! saw him. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Also, David Herman is extremely accomplished voiceover actor. He's been yeah. on Futurama, Invader Zim, 
uh, Beavis and Butthead, American Dad, Disenchantment, and Bob's Burgers. So he, oh, he was working then, and he's still working now. Great. We can right. dedicate a whole podcast just to his resume. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I liked his character too. Like I appreciated this like big fucking nerdy billionaire who's just like nice. I don't know. I kind of, I like that. And I do think he works with the group as like the more awkward one. I don't know. I, I don't know. I liked him. I thought he worked. Um, and I, the thing, I mean, we mentioned this earlier. Um, Gabby, you even said like the show gets better once they learn oh, we can use Wolfram and Hart in a fun way. We can, I think the show does better once it starts expanding its ensemble cast, whether it's reoccurring or main characters, because we have something more than just like, ooh, this one person's going to be here for one episode. We will never see them again. You don't really need to care about them. Because I I don't know about you guys, but I'm a hard sell on that. It burns you out to like week after week, you're just kind of like, oh, these are like disposable characters. And especially because like procedurals, at this time, all kind of had the same revolving yeah. guest characters. I'm like, oh, like that person's on this other show. Right. And like, they almost felt just like, you know, interchangeable and not like truly well-defined. But this felt, this episode was so intentional. Like the, having this B plot with like a really rich mm-hmm. guy and like Cordelia is like, oh my gosh. Like I didn't, it wasn't like heavy handed critique of wealth stratification, but it was certainly like embedded and yeah. intentional i love that you yeah. described the procedural vibe too i will say i've made my boyfriend watch some episodes with me before the podcast and every time the credits roll he does the law and order bum bum <laughs> <laughs> it's so rude but it's so right it's so right yeah he's not wrong um <laughs> that is like my biggest critique of season one is that it just feels like law and order if everyone was like a demon like that's that's it. Um, and I am not a big fan of Law and Order. I don't like a procedural like cop show. I don't know. Nothing wrong if you like Law and Order, but yeah, it's just not for me. So yeah, we meet David Nabbit. He's being blackmailed. Um, I thought I, it's like a stupid joke, but I did like when he's like, "You heard of Dungeons and Dragons?" And Angel's like, "I've been to a few." And Wesley's like, "He means the role playing game." <laughs> I wrote that one down. I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I rewound even and was like, oh, let me hear that again. <laughs> um I I do love the like weird he just really liked Dungeons and Dragons, so then he went to like a demon brothel, and that's why, like, okay, sure. And his security team already figured out who is framing him, but they just like can't find the guy. He gives Angel the photos of this guy, Lenny. And I like that Cordelia immediately is like, well, why don't we stay here and mingle? Like she wants to, <laughs> she wants to stay to like experience these, like this, like rich person's party. And I feel like that would be fucking me if I was Cordelia. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, well, let me have 10 more drinks real quick. Um, like when I, <laughs> I went, I think I've told this story before I went to um, a wealthy family member's wedding and their open bar was Grey Goose. Ooh. And I got like maybe the drunkest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so then we we get more of Gun. We kind of pick up where the like intro let off, where they're fighting this group of vampires. The web, <laughs> the way the one guy gets like WWE wrestling moved and then is like dead. <laughs> I was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> 
Uh, right? Isn't that what it looks like? <laughs> there are some wonky fight scenes in this episode, and this is oh, yeah. definitely one of those. I will say the, the car steak launcher more than made up for that for me. I love that device, but like, wow. Ian, you're so right. <laughs> right? The Yeah, the, the like steak turret gun is so like campy, but I fucking love it. On the pickup truck. Come on. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they're not fucking around they've been doing this for a while i love it <laughs> like that car i felt like <clears throat> because i am of an age where i was not that young when this aired but like if i had been a kid kid i would have wanted like a toy of that fucking truck to like play with because i would have thought it was like the fucking coolest shit like oh it has stakes on the the hood of the car which like make no sense um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we we see the the way i still don't quite know like that guy just gets like his back cracked on the side of the the, the jeep i guess i don't i don't know <laughs> Can someone more competent than me explain it <laughs> <laughs> i'm usually the person with a really detailed explanation of something and i have no idea dude i was watching that myself like he's like slumped over did he break his ribs was right? he just so strong he hurt him i don't know because <laughs> at first i was like oh all right he like cracked his spine and he's dead but then it's like no he's not dead <laughs> like your dying breaths being like he carried me like i'm a baby i'm not a baby and then dying like oh Come on, dude. Like, Come on. How many of us would not be that stubborn, though? <laughs> not a baby. <laughs> Please. I would be like, ooh, he picked me up. Ooh. <laughs> um, I also don't like the thing that bothered me a lot is Alana kind of doesn't do anything in this episode. Um, she... Right? <laughs> when they were fighting, she was barely doing anything. And that was cracking me up. People are like swinging there. They're they're they're. Poles and they're staking people. She's like there with like this big thing that's just pointing at random directions. I'm like, are you gonna fight someone? What right. is your deal? Like, it's interesting because like so much of what people thought was subversive about Buffy, right, was that like mm-hmm. it's that opening scene and she's walking down the street and then she's actually not a victim and she's the slayer and it's and then you know, so like this was also that like kind of fake out opening, but it wasn't a subversion of it. It was exactly like you know, girl needs. Well, yeah. it was a subversion for uh, for the brother, but not for Alana. Like she's right. like still a damsel. Yeah. Um, and then her only like throughout the episode, her only real thing is to be like kind of a foil to Gun, and then mm-hmm. to be like a catalyst for his journey after the episode. So like I- I'm stunned that of all of the feminist. Um, messaging that is like embedded throughout the Buffy cinematic universe um, (laughs) that this was just so like lackluster. Right. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I, I I did really like that introduction, but you know, thinking more about how, you know, obviously not to jump ahead, but how Alana's arc kind of happens. I really wish, like, I think that actress and um, Jay August Richards had such good chemistry together and mm. I would have loved to even just have her around as like a villain for a little longer, even if it's an antagonist, because she really, I feel like she didn't really get a chance to shine, uh, you know, until the end of the episode. And, and you're right. It's like the whole beginning, uh, maybe the first and second act, it's just, she's there as like a conscience. It's like, you're chasing death. Like, I'm not as brave as you. And I just, uh, yeah, I definitely felt that. Right, right. And it's like, but we already know that they are, like, all of them are established demon hunters. So like, why does she have to be the one that like... right? 
Like Justin said, she really is just standing there with her weapon, like kind of pointing it, but like not. I don't understand why he would like the gun that I'm seeing in this episode would not have brought her out there if she couldn't defend yes. herself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that would have made a much better fight scene later on where you see the demon in her body mm-hmm. and then her and gun really go at it. But we didn't really get that. We got a shove. So, and yeah. I also believe that these two actors knew each other yes. before this. So they were yes. friends. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm because I always read the Buffy wiki um, and that, yeah, they were like actually friends before they filmed this together. Um, so I guess that would make a, sense for them having good chemistry, even if she doesn't have a lot to do. Um, Cause yeah, they definitely, they do have a good chemistry. It's just, I wish she had more to do in this episode other than like you said, like, just kind of say like, mm, you're chasing death and then become a vampire and die. Yeah. We then cut to Madame Dorian's, the demon brothel, which I do think is a good idea. I actually kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good idea. I just wish they had done a little more of it. And it felt very Star Trek to me. If that, I don't know. Right. <laughs> last time you brought me back, the last episode I did, we were talking about demon dating apps. So I'm really excited that we've escalated to a demon brothel. Yes. Yes. That yes. was great for me. Uh, but yeah. And I, I, because Star Trek, I mean, Star Wars too, like do a lot of like, Ooh, we're in some like public space and like, look, here are the different aliens that like, you know, those aliens, you know, these aliens, but maybe not the one directly behind the main character. Um, and I, Angel at least kind of tried. Like the one of the women is dressed like the demon from She, which I had a I, I can't remember who told me this, but apparently I brought up She in every single episode since we've recorded for it because I hated it so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the episode I hated the most this season revisiting. Um I will say I remembered it as being terrible, and when I rewatched it, it was just as fucking terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh Gabby, what'd you think of this? What'd you think of like that? Did you think it was like a clever idea or was it just fucking stupid? I no idea. Like this whole time, like, what? Gabe, <laughs> 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 what'd you think of it? I am um, uh, uh this I I might be jumping the gun, but this scene definitely had one of my favorite outfit reveals, which was the tail on Lena, the uh, porcupine. <laughs> Um, escort, I think. I don't know what was going on with the wig there. Um, but look, Ma, no hands has embedded itself into my brain in a way I don't think I want. It was. I, you know, I fucking, I did appreciate I was like, this is so ridiculous. And she has like a weird avatar tail that like. Yes. And it's like. Giving Sigourney Weaver in the Harvard shirt. I can't. And like, Ugh. he, his reaction, I'm like, Ooh, she was like feeling everything with that tail. <laughs> um, Justin, what'd you think of the, the Madame Dorian's? It just made me think about Riley Finn in the <laughs> vampire dark room with the vampires biting him, the sex thing. At least now it's professional. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Just come on in. <laughs> I did I did like the like Madame Dorian herself like clocking Angel immediately and being like, no, 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 no vampires, get out. Oh, yeah. And how he's like, oh, no, you know, I'm, someone's photographing your clients, blah, 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 blah. So that's why Lena comes over. And yeah, the the look, Ma, no hands. I was like, she's doing more than a featured like <laughs> a character with two lines normally does on these shows. So I appreciate it. <laughs> I will say for all the like great class analysis we have in here, the like very stereotypical depiction of sex work, either human or demon just pervades the show. Oh, yeah. And I wish, I want Lena to come back. <laughs> I need her to have a storyline. I need more depth. I want to know her backstory. She's fascinating to me. 
Also, the low effort on this set, because it just looks like a weird sitcom living room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like doctor's <laughs> office, waiting room, right? chilling, yeah. It's too much overhead lighting for a sex club, come on. Yeah, like, I was like, mm, can they have a cuter, like, space common area? Like, ugh. Um, so yeah, Angel, Angel actually gets to talk to Lena. Um, we cut to Gunn and his sister. They're kind of... <sighs> There's a lot of her just, like, I, I, one of you said it that it, she's just kind of like his conscience, right? It's uh, I don't know. It's a lot of that, and like so, they're talking about like she's mad about the guy dying, and then the the Hispanic dude enters to say there's a a vampire jumping rooftops, which we know is Angel. They watch him rough up Lenny, right? They're definitely there at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they run outside. They absolutely run outside because that's the whole thing. They like run outside to like find the vampire that's been jumping roofs. They think it's going to attack them, and they go outside. And that's when Gunn sees him harassing Lenny. And, like, the lines are written in such a way that it could be easily misleading. He's like, I'm going to haunt you the rest of your life. Like, you're never going to see enough of me. Like, it's yeah. very it's, it's very interesting. We get, like, uh, the, like, hey, see, kind of angel again. It's great. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, because does he say something like, I'm going to dog you the rest of your life? Yes. Like, I was it. like, what? Like, <laughs> um. Yeah, so then we so we get that we cut to David Nebit. They're like he's paying them for their services, and again, I just love that Cordelia is like flustered because he's rich. Like when she's <laughs> like, he's like, "Call me David." She's like, "Oh, that David. That's a great name. That's a wonderful name. It sounds great in your mouth." And then feels she's like, oh, good in your feels mouth. Right. Yeah, feels, yeah. feels. <laughs> which is like not a great line, but I can understand getting word vomit because you're like, "Ooh, I just got paid so much money for this thing." <laughs> um. I don't know. I, I Charisma Carpenter, even in the episodes where she's like, like this one, where she's only in it, like sprinkled throughout, she still like fucking shines in every scene she has, right? Oh, yeah. It's just wild that like she's able to steal a scene uh, with like two lines. Yeah, she's like walking out of frame. And the way she says, I was flustered, just like made me yeah. cackle well into the next scene. Yes. Like, I was yes. just like, I love this, which which is like like biker white supremacist vampires. And I was still laughing at I was flustered. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gabby, what do you think of that scene? <laughs> I mean, her, I think because I appreciate so much of Cordelia in the later seasons that watching her in season one, I'm like, oh, come on, girl. Like, <laughs> it's the only beat you have. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, there's this, uh, like, photo exchange. I think I jumped the gun. It wasn't the um, the biker vampires yet that are unionizing. It was the um, <laughs> it was photo exchange. What's his face? Lenny right. comes with the photo and then kind of fakes out Angel this demon with a spiky chin who is dressed like my grandpa going grocery shopping from the neck down for some reason <laughs> starts to try to beat him up. Um, and then they're like fighting and Angel like smashes him. And this is when Gunn and his crew sort of um, roll through. And then they hit Angel through a stake with a stake through the body. And it's on his left side. I'm like, that seems like dangerously close to the the G spot for dusting, if I'm being right. honest. Yes. <laughs> um, and then he runs through a home alone booby trapped factory. Uh, and it is I, I that part was like a little ridiculous to me. I was like, where these are a lot of booby traps. Like I feel like they could kill like a human with these booby traps by accident, right? Mm, no foreshadowing <laughs> there. I see you, Ian. Right? Yeah. So we get in like they do kind of like 
beat his ass, right? Like he kind of does like when he shows up to Angel Investigations, even like says that they beat him up and the gang corners him and he kind of like takes Alana hostage. And again, it's like, oh, come on. She has to be the one we take hostage. But then he lets her go and he saves her. It should have been the Latino dude who kept messing up. He should have been held hot. He should have been kidnapped. Come on. Uh. Still mad about that. Yeah. Um, And I do like when he says like, I'm impressed, but I have a few suggestions. And he's like, don't think we're interested. Because the the thing Angel does uh, with like Lindsay, where it's like all of their, Lindsay and Spike, where it's like all their antagonism is also just like giving me like sexual tension. (laughs) And at points here, I was like, I mean, are they? Like at the end, Gunn even says like, you're gonna go daddy on me. And it's like, ooh. Are we? Was that what we're doing? Like, what are we doing here? And Angel gets called daddy so many times this season as like a joke by like another straight guy. Anyway, but yeah, so I like their, their antagonism does it for me. Um, and they really don't say why they let him go because it feels like they don't believe him. But I guess they do. Right. I don't know. I, I, you know, throughout the episode, Gunn is sort of like he doesn't want him around, but he's not. He, he knows something's off about him. Based mm. upon the hand Alana thing. Also, he did get beat up, but he was also trying not to kill anyone. That's he true. realized they were human. So That's that true. eliminated what he would normally do. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Gunn was fully on. The guy, the one dude that worked with them, Chain, mm. is what my screen said his name was. He was all for killing him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and his sister was like, I don't know, there might be something different. It might be he could help us. And then he's firmly in the middle. So, yeah. So everyone leaves. We cut back to Angel Investigations. They have the pictures, which also led me to believe if Lenny was just trying to kill him, why did he even bring those photos? Right? Like, yeah, why would you bring the real thing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do like when they're looking at the photos and he's like, Wes, it's upside down. And Cordy's like dressing his wounds and she's like, how does, how does that feel? And they're talking about the photo. (laughs) Also, can we talk about how good Charisma Carpenter's hair looks in this episode? Because (laughs) I, I just, I think her, she has like one of those, like her hair is so like thick and voluminous that even when she like does it straight, it still looks like fucking fantastic and shiny. Everything about Charisma is wonderful in this episode and every episode. (laughs) Yes, true. Yeah, even when she gets those terrible one note like horrific jokes in season one she really just like i don't know i feel like she gives it depth or like a little wink like at charisma as actress is like i know what this is let me elevate it let me like give you a little more yeah 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 Yeah, so we get i do like the the one thing when angel's like can i see that check again because he's like all beat up and like going to see the kids i do i do appreciate that um i was wondering though what the hell does him going to like? I don't like that he calls them kids. I'm like, how the fuck old are these people supposed to be? Because they are clearly adults. Well, they say in the episode, I think, because they're like, they're supposed to, he's like, some of them are 16 or something like that. Well, but like specifically Gunn and Alana, like, and the, the Hispanic dude, Chain, like, how old are they? How, are they supposed to be 16? No way, right? I think they, I guess I, I was assuming like 16 and 17 because <laughs> the descriptor always refers to them as street kids. Yeah. So it sounds racialized but it does right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and war which is just them defending their own homes whatever yeah i i just kept wondering i was like how but the question i pose is so i do like when he's like can i see that check again but like what the fuck does him going to gun and their group have to do with the job they're doing i don't think I thought so. he I mean, was worried about them 
Well, right, but I mean, like, I, I, but it's like separate. So I'm like, when he asked, "Can I see the check again?" I was like, "But what does that have to do with?" I guess it's just like the work he does in general, not like this specific job. Maybe I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's what I got. I didn't think too deeply into. It. I was just like, "Oh," and now he's gonna go see his friends that are <laughs> incorporated into the plot soon. <laughs> yes, and so uh, now, Gabe, is when we cut to the vampires unionizing. Yes, now we do. I will say uh, there was one uh, weird moment of of like a very eloquent speaking from Cordelia at the end of the last scene, where it was just sort of the thesis statement of the episode. She's like, "A twenty minute ride from billionaires and crab puffs, kids go into war." And I was like, "What? Why is she talking like this?" <laughs> She's like, "Oh God!" It was just a really just like very poetic, very political. Um, I hope she runs for office. Uh, but yes, then we go into the next scene. And we see these vampires who are all conspicuously very white, uh, pissed about gun screw. And he keeps repeating the phrase, there used to be decent people that lived here. So like, it's like, all right, I see what we're, you know, like the sort of parallels we're making. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because the, the vampires are sort of like, we can't just get at them one by one. They've started working together and we kind of have to do the same. Uh, and then two things that stuck out here. I don't know why he stabbed his friend. Maybe his friend was a weak link. I feel bad. Uh, but there's also this one extra with a soul patch and like a little chain necklace they keep cutting back to. Yeah. And it is the funniest costuming to me. It's like if you had taken a member of S Club 7 and turned them <laughs> into a vampire, they'd be like, oh, I gotta dress differently now. Like, keep the hair the same, but like, we're growing a soul patch and putting on a chain necklace. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I also was wondering why he stakes the other van. I'm like, what? Why? Why would we do that? But sure, I feel like I feel like that's a big thing in the Buffy verse of like the vampires are mad, so they stake one of their group, and that just like happens often. Actually, I, I have an answer to your question from yes. previous. Oh, great, great. Okay, Angel knows that there's a vampire nest that the that the kids quote unquote are looking for, mm. so he goes to look for the nest first. Then he ends up. Yeah, uh, I'm reading right, the description right. now. Okay. Yeah, okay, that makes Let sense. Me get this Buffy wiki back up. Come on, <laughs> these summaries are killing it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, I I don't know if you've all noticed, but like for the angel ones, it's always like a little bit weaker. Like the yes, it's yeah. like mm, like the the, the mm. Buffy wiki. I think is it is it for this episode? Yeah. The God, there's like one of the beginning. Yeah, soon later, a group of vampires throw smoke bombs, and it's like, mm, <laughs> um, and there's like, so I use a lot of like websites that have like just fans that like transcribed episodes, and a lot of the angel ones just stop halfway through. It's like they only transcribe like half of the episode and then got tired and stopped. <laughs> and I only re recently realized that when I was like, oh shit, where where's that one quote I'm looking for? And I was like, oh, they just don't have the full episode here. Okay, sure. I will say the craziest thing about the wiki entry for uh, this episode is learning the name of the, the spiky chin demon is Mofo Demon. Oh my god. That is, <laughs> that is the name demon. demon in the description. There is a link, so there's a separate page for Mofo Demon. God, no that's joke. so weird. Just really got it. The things we learn. We just gotta yeah. Google a little. Behind the scenes, <laughs> the demon species is named in the episode shooting script. You know, a thing that Angel didn't do enough of was like reoccurring demon, like demons rather than like always having a one-off. Like I kind of would have liked, you know, when we get Lauren's bar next season, it's like, just show me like all the demons in the background be like, reuse prosthetics. Just like, you got them in a closet somewhere. Um, 
you know, like make it all the same demon. Because like, yeah, there's always a lot of this shit on the wiki entry where it's like a certain demon name, and it's like that appeared in only this episode. That's it. Yeah. Again. Like, all right. Well, um, where are we game? <laughs> Um, the bad vampires are unionizing. Right, it's right, happening. right. Then we see Alona and Gunn discussing Angel. <laughs> Angel arrives in the vampire, the vamp nest, and I, I guess that vampire on the ceiling was going to like jump on Angel. Yeah, uh, I do like that Angel like just sidesteps and the guy falls on the ground and he's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, Angel roughs up this vampire, and we find out that the vamps have gone to smoke bomb guns gun and his crew's like headquarters this scene um with angel kind of like anticipating the guy jumping and like guns sort of six sense with the smoke bombs come in are really interesting because there's a lot of kind of like one for one matches where it's like they're both really good at this and have kind of developed a sense of like when shit's going down that i thought was really interesting but yeah they got smoke bombs and then she just gets captured <laughs> like so she really bad. doesn't do uh. anything Ugh. um but i will say i thought that was cool the like shot of like gun jumping on the van and he's like watching it, but he can't do anything. Cause right. It's like, he's just holding onto the van and then they punch him through the window. I thought that was cool. And like, you felt bad for him. Right. Cause it's like, Oh shit. He just tried to save his sister. They've been doing this for a while. And like, he knows his sister's dead now, either she's dead or a vampire, but either way she's like gone. And you like feel bad for him. Did anybody else find that like sort of scene in the back of the truck a little graphic? It was the first time I saw vampires eating somebody and I was like, oh no, God, ugh. It, <laughs> it was oddly brutal. Um, Gabby, what'd you think of that scene? Um, I love when it gets brutal because first of all, like the stakes in this particular episode have mm. been looking so plasticky that I was mm. like, finally something good. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, give me some gore. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, eat her, get it. <laughs> You are right, though. It did, like, immediately up the stakes that kind of felt like they weren't... Like, I know they were telling us there were stakes, but it prior to that, it did feel like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, I do I do like that. And, like, you know, we... Especially knowing... We know Gunn because we know he stays a main character, or, like, an important character. I was wondering, I'm like, does he bring this up at all? I don't feel like he brings it up that often, this right? Was- a complaint that I have when I watched this show as a kid, he barely brings it up. There are flashbacks to it a couple of times, but otherwise it's not like a something that's always present in his character. And it feels like something that should be right. Yeah, it should. Uh, His sister warns him that that's her whole thing. And now she's dead. And as he points out, you know, because of me, but not quite, but it's just such a contrast to the way he felt about Bobby in the first the first death he was like oh okay you're dead moving on right well now it's your sister it's more personal and you should have listened to her right so yeah and like that's why we feel bad for him so it's like oh fuck like he really should have but anyway in the court in the in terms of this episode i do it does work to like garners like you said gabby it does like give us stakes where it's like yeah there were stakes before but this like i don't know we're more like invested this feels like this feels like when the story takes off more for me i think well, when I said stakes, I was talking about like the physical stakes in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the plasticky stakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also agree that it was like very low stakes. It even felt like when Angel goes to like check up on this den, I'm like, oh, he's just like going to go hang. Yeah. Um, and almost like how like, I don't know, like Superman functions. It's like he's just so overpowered and he has so much like power in terms of respect from other 
creatures that you're like, mm. well, if Angel's there, nothing bad's going to happen. He's just going to like, it's fine. <laughs> so this is another one of those cuts where it's like the juxtaposition between like Gunn and Alana's world and like Cordelia's whole like rich LA fantasy is like so stark here. She's literally wearing um, that like, I don't know, one of those like 1940s, 50s scarves and like <laughs> cat eye glasses, like leaning in a convertible being like, ah. And it's obviously delusional, you know what I mean? But it's just yeah. like the cut from like Alana being devoured and then her brother being like, oh my God, I just saw my sister getting eaten and Cordelia is like, I love LA. Like, it's so troubling <laughs> <laughs> that like, in case you weren't aware, there are two LAs. Like, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> yeah, Justin, what'd you think about them in the car? That was beautiful it made me miss her so much because right. we know where she's going in her journey to uh, seeing her at this point that's i'm thankful that i got to rewatch a season one episode and see that i only think about her after like you know you're welcome and all that stuff right yeah um you know it's funny uh justin two of the co-hosts zach and dana this is like they've watched certain episodes of angel but haven't watched it all the way through and because i talk about cordelia so much i i'm not sure if both of them but i know zach at least was like wait a minute, they don't actually, like, get together? They're not a couple? And I was like, oh, no, I just, Oof. we want them to be, and they almost are, but, yeah, no. And he was like, you talk about them so much, I totally thought they, like, were together for the last few seasons. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, see, I never wanted them to get together. I love the platonic friendship, but what was even worse than the possibility of getting together with him is getting together with his child. I... <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, Jesus. And again, we're jumping a lot really far. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. If I could go back and unwrite something, that would be I, thing number one. I love how vocal charisma is about fucking hating that. Like, I love... It was so gross. Ugh, yeah. like, ugh. It almost was like the writers wanted to adhere to this, like, girl boss. Like, oh, like, that's Buffy's ex. So, uh, so Cordelia can't... Right. Date him. So it was just like almost there, but they never crossed the line. Mm. I didn't really get it because that was like the most healthy like relationship yeah. I could see. Like, you know. Thank you, Gabby. I agree, right? Like it felt adult and like normal. Like yeah. ugh. it wasn't like, I mean, what was really popular was like the super dramatic and like right. passionate romances but i really did think that they were like well suited for each other by the end of it i was like all right please give them to us yeah yeah like i it's funny because re like redoing like rewatching season one the chemistry is there like yeah. they have the chemistry um and i really like the one thing i do like about season one is we do get some like nice quiet moments where cordelia because the angel investigations is so small you know, if Wesley's not in the scene, it's just Cordelia and Angel. And it's like, they get to, I like that we see them becoming closer and comfortable with each other before we see them like delve into the romance. Like I kind of like building up their like chosen family aspect of their relationship first and then being like, oh wait, yeah, there, there is more than just friendship chemistry here. And yeah, and I, I, I almost feel like that's just like, I almost feel like Cordelia and Angel started to happen because the actors had such good chemistry. Because mm. like, I don't know, Gabe, right? That's a that's a thing that can happen in TV, right? Where you're just like, oh, wait, these two actors do work well together. Oh, for sure. Yeah, people figure that out all the time. But I, yeah, I think they complement themselves in a way that is, I mean, like Abby said, sort of refreshing given all the romances we've seen on the show. It's like we're having yeah. like 
a hard sex that tears down a house and we're like eating people <laughs> and fucking in the 1500s and it's like <laughs> really just it's nice to see right like this sort of like uh platonic friendship evolve into something that to me felt maybe a little more familial like maybe i i I like mm-hmm. that separation between like the sort of love that can be friendship and family versus the love that is romantic. But like whatever that chemistry is, I think they're a great complement together. Um, and they just have such a good rhythm um, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever iteration that pairing comes in, like more of them together, always and forever, please. Justin, I need to hear your, I need to hear your thoughts. <laughs> uh, I wanted Angel to stay her friend. I liked her the idea of her possibly being with Wesley, but I was also okay with her being completely alone yeah. and discovering herself as a human. Aww. No money, none of her roots. She's got to start all over again and we see who she becomes. But yeah. You know, that's funny. Cause that's uh Kirsten white would always say that with our Buffy coverage. Like she would say like, I don't ship Buffy with anyone. I ship Buffy with like financial independence and like being, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like that, that is kind of how I feel. I, I mean, I talk about this a lot. Like when people, people get so mad about like Buffy and spike versus angel, uh, Buffy and angel. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. They're both flawed. Like, like whoever you like, I don't know. For me, that's not like the point of the shows. I don't know. Right. I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, everyone, none of those relationships that Buffy had on that show were like great. Right. Like, I don't, I wouldn't say any of them were like super healthy. Um, also all her boyfriends were significantly older until she got to college. <laughs> <laughs> significantly. Okay. Yeah. We gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about that. <laughs> it's giving twilight. It's giving twilight. <laughs> God, I mean, and uh, was even worse because, like, I mean, Angel obvious huge age gap, but even the guys afterwards, like, what is how is this fully supported by everyone in your life? Seems like a weird power differential. Yes, yeah, yeah. And just, I'm sorry, as a Latino whose parents were just like up his ass about all his friends and um, hidden romantic relationships or fake ones with women in high school. <laughs> I'm just like, how do you date several supernatural men who are hundreds of years old, and your mom is just like. Having a great, you know what I mean? Just chilling, not worried about where your daughter's at. Just, you know, it's cool. Where are the parents? Gabe, Gabe, do you remember we talked specifically about that at the Scream live show? Yes, we did. Yes. So I, I remember Princess Weeks brought up, she was like, a black parent would not handle someone calling the house. And we were like, yeah, and a Hispanic parent would not either. Like, I remember my mom watching the trailer for Chucky and being like, Ugh, can you imagine I'd slap the shit out of that doll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on now. I wasn't even allowed to be home alone in high school. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, my brother is eight years older. So it was like, if my brother was there. Like as long as my once once my brother moved out, yeah, then it was like, well, uh, you have to go to the neighbor's house, and it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, my mom didn't even trust the neighbors. <laughs> she was like, you're staying with your grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, for sure, I had like an inflated belief in like the freedom that I should have as a teenager. Like when I got to my <laughs> teen years, I was like, I don't get it. Like all of the protagonists in me. <laughs> Get to go out and like party. What? What's happened? We'll have sleepovers. <laughs> it's funny. My mom, my parents were like they weren't. I, I'm the youngest, and my brother's the oldest, and he's eight years older. So it almost felt like, and I think I've heard people say this about like having older parents um, and being the youngest. Like it almost was like they were like tired at that point. <laughs> so it was like oh, yeah. easier for me to get away with shit 
than it was my brother. Like my brother was like definitely a lot stricter. And even recently, I, my brother and I aren't that close, but he mentioned, he was like, yeah, I mean, you know how strict mom and dad were. And I was like, oh, mm. they weren't that strict. I'm like, oh. with me. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, but yeah, my mom was, I, I mean, I have since moved back home after leaving New York and my mom, I had to like be like, mom, I don't need you talking to me when I when I'm pooping. Like, please, just like leave me be. And she's like, "I am your mother. You came out of me." And I'm like, oh, "Jesus Christ!" Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I moved out a second time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, please, it's we're not that close. We're close. Like, that <laughs> close. I don't think anyone needs to be that close. Yeah. No. Definitely not. Um, but okay, where where the hell are we in the? Oh, we're we're on the scene. Of- <laughs> yeah. right. We're we've um, got a classic quote coming up here. Okay, this is great. <laughs> Ooh, what is it, Gabe? It is okay. So basically, Angel shows up to help Gun and the crew, um, and Angel's trying to tell him what to do, and, and Gun turns and he says, "I don't need advice from some middle class white dude that's dead." And I, <laughs> <laughs> he takes this amazing pause right before that's dead. Yes. It's like, yes. This extra addendum that makes it all the more ridiculous. I was like, thank you. Someone needed to point it out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I did write that line down. And it is the pause. Like, I even put an ellipses because it's yes. like the that's dead, like, is the kicker of the, like, ridiculous. And you were get out of my head because I also wrote Home Alone booby traps earlier and I wasn't going to say anything. But the way you were literally, it sounds like you're reading my notes verbatim. I also put an ellipses. Jesus. It's ridiculous. This is what happens when you host more or, or, or guesting or co-hosting on more than one episode of yours. It's truly dangerous. It's Welcome to the story. hive mind, Gabe. <laughs> Thank um, you. We're all Borg. Sorry, wrong franchise. But. Um, so, yeah, so then they... And- they push him into a closet, Ian. They, pu- right. they push him into a closet. <laughs> right. For someone uh, who loves uh, pointing out the homosexual undertones of moments, I'm shocked you <laughs> forgot that one. Because Buffy Wiki told me that was a meat locker. <laughs> oh, that's, that's even That's what better. I thought it was. Because there's <laughs> a joke now. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do like, I will say the like, the outcome of that I do like is like Wes and Cordy just open the door and they're like, why the fuck didn't you use your cell phone? And he's like, oh, right. My cell phone. <laughs> it reminds you when the show was written. It's really yeah. lovely. It's so good. Which also, and Justin, I feel like you and I have talked about this. Buffy still doesn't get a, a cell phone till season seven. And this would have take, taken place during Buffy season four. And I like, don't yeah. understand why Buffy the show never got cell phones. <laughs> well, yeah. Angel has a job, so he can, you know, <laughs> fair, he's fair. got money. Um, I also yep. think the running gag of him like not liking technology now that technology is better I don't it doesn't make sense like there why would he not he's he's navigated so much change in like the hundreds of years right. that, that level of resistance to change does not make sense because also it's like helpful right like this shit will help you in what you're doing so just yeah. use it um, yeah, you're right, though. His accent has changed. He's cut his hair. He's wearing trench coats, dressing modernly. Like, <laughs> slap a beeper on, for God's sakes. Like, we're not even at, you don't even need a whole cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sends like 911, stuck in meat locker. Um, so, yeah, I then the, 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 they, what, they, is it that they're, do they know they're tracking down Alana or is it they happen, like they're tracking down vampires and it happens to be Alana? That's what it is, right? I think they're trying to rescue her. She was kidnapped. But like, he knew she was dead, right? Like, he watched her get eaten. You gotta try. 
That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> You're just going to be like, um, well, I guess. <laughs> She's well, <eating>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we, this is where we get like a lot more talking. And I do, because I do think they're both good in this scene. I wish we had gotten more with them. Um, like you said earlier, Gabe, even if we had to turn her, it kind of would have been cool for her to be a reoccurring like vampire that we well, see every I, once in yeah, a while. I got really excited because there was so much of Gunn and Alana in this episode. I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. We're going to get like Gunn joining the team. And then Alana is this like really, um, I don't know, kind of interesting antagonist. And I thought she'd like kind of be around as this like, I don't know, persona for Gunn to kind of have to deal with. And I think it would have been so interesting uh, seeing that actress, you know, again, play this like kind of like damsel who gets kidnapped, doesn't know where to point the gun and like, you know, seeing more episodes of that actress as, as maybe this vampire Alana, who's like, you know, that juxtaposition, like so confident, feels so powerful. Is like, I don't have the guilt anymore. Um, there was just such, so much in their dialogue in these scenes where I was like, wow, I love this. And That's not yeah, how it turned out. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, it feels like we're doing a lot for, I, yeah, I don't know. Gabby, what'd you think of this? Um, I just, I guess in general, I'm just met like her whole arc being to um like catalyze him i feel like it's like more for the the, the like sad drama effect yeah. of, of like um of dusting her and like just and then angel's like let's go you know i it, it feels like just to have that like sad over dramatic effect when you're right i would have loved her as a villain um i do think like a compelling bit about her is like she's like radical but not quite as radical as gun and if they dug into that tension mm. more for a little bit like that would have been fun as well and then maybe yeah. like had like a reveal at the end of the episode where she's been turned um and also she remembers so much like they sit and reminisce for a yeah. <laughs> yeah. time um i i one of you mentioned like a if it would have been really sick to have her actually be like a competent fighter and then have like mm. the sick fight at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin, what'd you think? They wasted the character. They could have done a lot more with her and I'm angry about it all over again. Thank you. Ian. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome, Justin. <laughs> Is this us breaking up on the podcast? Justin? <laughs> I mean, with all the magic on this show, you would have thought at some point he would have said, Hey, can you bring my sister back? Can we do something? Hey, but yeah. you know, for the next few seasons, nothing. So. <laughs> we just don't mention her. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting too. Cause like, you know, she succumbs to the, like the trope of like, there's two black siblings and mm. this, the girl has to be lighter. Mm. and you know if she's just a character you're having on for one episode then why does she have to also be like so completely different aesthetically from her brother like just make her a dark-skinned person then if you're just gonna you know like i don't know Wait, is, is that a trope i didn't know that was a trope it's oh a trope it's such a trope it'll be like they're the same family everyone else in the family is like medium toned and then the daughter is light-skinned is because they want to like ascribe like mm. desirability they want that she's always like the hot sibling or like the mm, damsel okay, yeah. sibling or something so maybe not always hot but like beautiful and like helpless is also you know ah yeah that back when i used to audition a lot they would always pair me with a, a woman who was much lighter than me no mm. matter what it was always really weird but that's it's a trope it happens huh. Huh. Uh, so yeah he also, I don't know if you all realize, so when she's like, say goodbye to everything you've ever known, there is like way too much time between him staking her and her like at his neck. 
because I was like, oh, she's biting him. I forgot that she bites him in this, but she's not biting him. She's just kind of like nuzzling her head into his neck. Um, taking her time. Yeah, taking her good old time. Um, and I, but I do like him having to stake his sister. Like, I do think it's like a compelling character point. I don't know, character beat, because I mean, you do feel for him, right? You feel for him, but it's like it's like what Gabby said. It's like it's all a catalyst for gun. And then yeah. it's like you just it's this character becomes so disposable um yeah. just for the sake of character development that it was like I don't mm. know, I think there was so much promise in where this episode was going, and I think this particular storyline kind of like flubbed it in these last moments for me. Damn. Um uh yeah, I mean it's heartbreaking, but yeah. It just feels unearned because we only had a few scenes with them together in the first place to feel connected. And like a lot of that is tension and like in the context of uh, this turf war. And so like them having that, they have to put that like exposition moment where they talk about her falling because otherwise you're like, who cares about this person dying? Yeah, that is true. It's like, uh, yeah. Again, I, I do think, like, even this season, we got Kate, who is my least favorite character. Um, <laughs> we meet her father twice before he dies. So, like, I I mean, it still doesn't really have an emotional impact because I didn't like her or her dad. And mm-hmm. the scene is not great. But, like, okay, at least give us just a few more episodes with her before we do this. Because then it would definitely have a way more emotional impact if it's, like, oh, these, like, characters that, we've seen more of and like we know the relationship more right i don't know no i think they were definitely trying to cram in that um that emotional weight in this like last scene that's intercut with angel and the meat locker because it's like you know you're getting their childhood you're getting you know sort of like these memories and it's like a lot of that falls on alana and i think the actress michelle kelly is like doing the goddamn work because i started that scene and i was like what and then i was like oh my god i care oh my god oh my god wait she's like right like I would have, she would have convinced me. I would have been like, all right, cool. Like she sold it. She sold it. I was sort of hoping they'd both become vampires for a second. I was like, damn. Um, but yeah, I really, I think y'all make a great point. It does feel like they, they just try to like ham fist a lot of this like exposition and emotion into this instead of kind of peppering it throughout earlier. Yeah. And like, I, I even, even like wouldn't have been mad if this was all we got of them, but then she stayed around as a vampire like because then we would it would still give us like room to like develop them and i think that would have been a cool i'm trying to think have we ever we never really got that right like on buffy where someone is turned and then they like oh harmony yeah harmony <laughs> there oh, we go. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah so angel shows up the rest of the vampires show up and i i i I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, oh, this is where they kill all the vampires, but then they just like talk it out. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yes. Right. Like, Gabby, yeah, mm. what'd you think of that? Yeah. I even wrote a note about it. Cause I, I guess it's like, if you're an all powerful vampire and the episode is being described as a gang war, then sure. You're brokering peace between two rival gangs, but as right. it is a group of vampires that are trying <laughs> to murder them, I would think you'd be a little less like, diplomatic about it or i mean (laughs) i don't really understand why it was a negotiation i would have loved to see some action in the end um i don't know what message they were trying to say exactly there he's like you're in over your head like 
I really want to help. You guys can't do this alone. And then he doesn't do anything. It's very white savior because then he's (laughs) like, you'll leave them alone from now on because I said so. Yeah, like – also, like, the show we're watching would normally give us that action scene, so it feels even weirder that it's not like, oh, that tracks for this show. They normally talk it out. Like, no, normally he kills every fucking vampire. Like, why would these be any different? And he's got all these vampires, like, demon hunters with him. So it's like, yeah, they can, like, hold their own. I mean, yes, he would be worried because they're humans, but, like, we know they can It underlines something that's like kind of frustrating about this episode which is that everybody's constantly telling gun he's being too radical he's like too reckless like too intense and it's like again it's like gabby said it's like these vampires are trying to kill them and they're like <laughs> presumably teenagers again deeply riverdale casting but it's like i it felt like it was um avoiding the fight was a way of being like see gun was too reckless and angel is right they need to work uh, together yeah. it was very like kind of like centrist versus leftist sort of vibes you know what i mean <laughs> It's like throwing Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders in a room with a bunch of vampires and Pete Buttigieg is like, we can talk it out. You know what I mean? We can talk what about a setup, fun. Gabe. <laughs> Sorry, this is how my brain works before our podcast episodes. Just <laughs> Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and Bernie Sanders facing off a group of vampires. We Jesus. know who's going to come out unscathed from that, okay? No matter your political leaning, let's be honest. Who's the bigger hard ass in that pairing? Uh, God. Um yeah. So, yeah, they just kind of leave. And then we get the, like, wrap-up of the David Nabbit story where Cordy and Wes are, like, getting cappuccinos together. Um, I don't know. What did we think of what Cordelia says here? Because, like, (sighs) right? (sighs) It's just, do you all remember when Bella Thorne was on OnlyFans and everybody was like, this rich girl who doesn't need it is on here and it's like they're changing their whole payment method because she's so famous. I feel like Cordelia being like, I could sort of be like an escort for a rich guy was just it's just like the most flippant privilege, like ridiculous. I couldn't with her. It was um yeah, uh not maybe uncharacteristically for season one, but like frustratingly tone deaf after yes. what we just went through. I was yes, like, that's, damn, come on. That's that's what I was it's like it like, yeah, it does track for the time period in Angel season one, but it's like, come on, we just like after the episode we just had, this is this is where the wrap up. And it, it feels weird for David Nabbit too, because it feels like we kind of just like don't see him, right? Like, and if for a character that's set up to be a reoccurring character, it's kind of just like Meh. he was busy on Matt TV, Ian. He he was, he was both he was. busy. He was. <laughs> so yeah, and then I mean, but I do like in theory, there's a version of this I could like, but yeah, I just was like, eh, this. Ugh. Um, I, I felt like it was some weird setup for his character to, uh, David Nabbit's character to return at some point maybe they would have some kind of a relationship that mm. would draw him into the group if since he was supposed to be recurring I think he only pops mm. up a couple of more times after this yeah he's also only in three episodes yeah there was something that happened in the previous scene which apparently it doesn't happen that often Angel introduces himself to the vampires as oh. Angelus Oh. while he still has his soul so yeah huh i didn't i i didn't even pick up on that but i guess that's like a almost like an intimidation thing because it's like ooh, people know yeah who that apparently is. it's only happened like twice so yeah because hmm. every time they call him that he's like i'm angel now i'm not that right. guy yeah yeah 
Sorry, bad impression, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That, that's my game. serious square jawed voice. Okay. <laughs> um and so then we wrap up on uh angel goes to visit gun on a rooftop we get a lot of scenes like this in this season gun asks angel if he's gonna go all daddy figure on him i feel like the this is why we fight the fight speech is like the thesis of angel and like we get it a lot Uh, what what do we think of this like end beat i did like the uh skulking professionally thing that came up that was a nice little oh yeah yeah. line uh but it was a nice setup i guess i I don't know what else they could have done i mean she's dead he's got to think about it i'm glad it wasn't hey come and hang out with my group it was more (laughs) like i might need your help one day so yeah yeah. gabby what'd you think um i liked it i mean again we have now talked at length about a way superior ending so i'm a little even more deflated about it um (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i he was just so begrudging about working with angel overall and like kind of comes to this like respect but like as an adult looking at this now i'm also like oh this was just such a like white saver moment i mean it's a detective show about a white vampire so like what else could it be but um it's just weird that in this specific episode they're like talking about problems and like talking about the tensions and like approach in you know like in in wealth stratification i guess i don't know like it's like a complicated metaphor that like just loses it in the end and feels very centrist yeah 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 gabe uh, literally took the words out of my mouth. Uh, feels very centrist. <laughs> um, no, but really, it's. I think a thing that frustrates me is that this episode was so good, and that when we get Gun as a, a series regular, um, and we see him just sort of like hiding out in the hotel with the group. You know, there's a little tension. He's he's usually like the one that's like, we have to go out and do more. Like we're not doing enough. But it's like Gun's introduction was so rooted in like preserving community, like making sure people were protected and fed. Um, who didn't necessarily have the means to do so that Mm. like, I really wish that had been kind of, uh, I don't know, a a more solid foundation for his character moving forward. And I I know this is, I think the only episode that was written by this writer for angel ever. Um, Mm. So, Oh yeah. Gary Campbell only wrote this one. So it's like, I do understand why this voice was maybe stronger. Um, But yeah, I think uh, this ending sort of set up a very lukewarm future between gun and angel for me. Yeah. That's fair. I do feel like Gun was like involved a little bit because like uh, apparently they named him Charles Gunn because Whedon had worked with James Gunn and he was like, oh, that's a good name. (laughs) 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 I I feel like if he had enough to be able to like name characters and perhaps he was also um, putting his two cents in, in, you know, the writer's room. And I feel like that is what it feels like at the end. It feels like a collaborative effort with a white person. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, we are at the end of favorite scene. Justin? I'm going to say the uh, apparently $5,000 shots of the vampires getting staked while jumping in the air. Mm -hmm. That looked really cool for that Mm -hmm. time period, I guess. Now I'm like, eh, but I I get it. Right, yes, because I I should point out Buffy Witchy tells us that 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 was a new, that was the first time they did it like that, right? That's like, Mm, yeah. Yeah, and it was a $5,000 each shot. That's hilarious. (laughs) Right, <laughs> uh, uh, Gabby, what's your favorite scene? I, I, it, it's not that I like it because it's a good scene, but I think it, it's kind of humorous to look at. So I guess the scene where he has to kill Alana because it's just like 
how did you, it just is not believable. How did you spend five minutes talking about this memory and then you just <laughs> told her? He's not even sad. I don't himself up to do it and the angel's just like let's go <laughs> but in a, in a really funny way i think that's my favorite scene <laughs> all right fair enough uh gabe that is very kills his sister and then lets all the other vampires walk away i'm like damn <laughs> um <laughs> that said for as much as we have criticized the staking moment for me the dialogue leading up to that moment that that scene that's sort of intercut between uh, Michelle Kelly and J. August Richards, and then the Meat Locker. Um, that to me, that dialogue and just their chemistry uh, together for me was one of the most impeccably uh, acted scenes in this entire season. Um, which is part of the reason mm-hmm. I wanted to see more Michelle Kelly and J. August Richards um, beyond this episode, and we got one of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like it, it's. I know I usually pick like really humorous and silly moments, but like this, this was just so grounded and and so well acted, and I just really enjoyed seeing them together, like getting to chew on some like better than average dialogue for this show. I was like, all right, I'm down. All right. Um, I think my favorite scene was Cordy and Wes getting Angel out of the meat locker. I just really liked, it's like a stupid fucking beat that is the shit I like about this universe. Um, I know this is a lackluster one, but favorite outfit for this episode, uh, Gabby? Um, I guess Cordelia when she walks into the, um, whatever whatever you want but i mean cordelia was just always impeccably dressed and you're right her hair was nice this episode thank you thank you (laughs) uh gabe um for me it's a tie between um the mofo demons business casual and um (laughs) lena the porcupine uh tail demons uh just general outfit vibe and color scheme i was like cool (laughs) It was a cute color scheme. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin. I'm going to go with the uh, Cordelia scene as well, or maybe gun with his uh, do rag on. Cause I think we need more of that on television. So yeah, I support that. Um, I think so. I Cordelia, and I'm not sure this, this might be the same outfit you're talking about. Gabby. She wears like, it's like a blown, a blown, brown flowy top. <laughs> oh, what are words? It's like black. God, I almost said it again. It's brown and like maroon. It looks like something Willow wears in the season seven episode him. And I meant to look to see if it was the same. Cause sometimes that happens. Um, but it looks cute on her. And yeah, her hair just looks fucking great. This episode, what grade do we give this episode? Gabe? Um, I, you know, for all that we've criticized it, I really liked the fact that the show tried to like reach for these more ambitious themes and have a strong point of view and like finally incorporated, um, folks fighting demons and aware of demons outside of just, uh, angels agency. Mm. Uh, and I had really great acting in it. So like, I think it had a lot of flaws in the end and it sort of like flubbed the landing again, probably because it was a collaboration with a, a larger room and it needed to fit into the arc of a larger show. But I will actually give it an A minus. I, I think Ooh. this was a very exciting episode for me. All right, uh, Gabby. So just to go back to the Cordelia outfit, it's like a maroon, or like it's like <laughs> okay, <perfect>. yes. <laughs> you could have avoided <laughs> brown gate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, and it looks like almost like netted. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, as much as we've criticized this episode, I actually I left with a way greater appreciation for it because i do recognize that these themes were present and like honestly at that point that was a lot we were still like oh my gosh a girl gets to fight in buffy (laughs) and then they're reaching for like 
these like racial and class based themes that I, you know, I was, I'm impressed to look back on now, even though I think they could have done more. Yeah. So, so what grade oh. do you give it? Oh, uh, so I'm going to say an A minus. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, Justin, what grade do you give it? I'm going to give it a B. Okay. I, I, but mostly for the acting and the actors. I, I love them. It was so, I haven't seen it in years, but of course now I'm older and I understand what's really happening here. Yeah. And I appreciate the episode for what it was. It, it worked within the context of the show and the confines of the universe. And they did quite a lot. So yeah. B for me. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know what? You've all convinced me. I'm, I had a, a, a C plus, but I think I'm going to go to a B minus. Cause I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you're both, I think you're all right. Like, because yeah, definitely when I was younger, I was like, oh, like mad. And then it's like, but as you're older, it's like, oh, I do see what they at least were trying to do and like trying mm-hmm. to get to. Um, so yeah, I think I give it a B minus. Uh, thank you all for being here and recording for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you liked Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon. We have finished Harley Quinn Season 2. We will be starting Season 3 soon, but I think I'm going to watch it first. Um, And uh, yeah, we're finishing up What If Season 1. Any and all support is much appreciated. You can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98 across all platforms. You can find me at IanXCarlos. Gabby, where can everyone find you? Um, I'm at Gab Alexa on all platforms, and I just realized my website got suspended because I didn't pay my bill. But once I pay that, <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Uh, Justin, where can everyone find you? Uh, at Justin Centric on Twitter or at JustinPossible.com. And Gabe? Uh, you can find me using the handle Gaybones, G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z, on Twitter and Instagram. It's not a weird sex thing. It's a nickname from a long time ago. Uh, I wish I could change it. Uh, and you can uh, find me on my website, uh, gabeis.gay. That's also a real URL, I promise. I I forget every time until you say the dot gay, and I'm like, all oh, right, that's fucking good. Like, yeah, yeah like, I got it for a steal, truly. <laughs> well, all right, we will see you all next time. Bye.